You are you now are listening, listening to, to the unmistakable sound of the Wolverpool. Let's let's take it to the hardwood, shall we? Let's shall we? To, let's talk about all the goodness that's that's Auburn basketball. Before b- before we do that, because because I kind of mentioned it, something about the Forty Nineers going to the NFC Championship. Not that. Oh my bad. Go ahead. You did mention that, but. Let's talk about let's talk about Bruce Pearl's idea for Jungle City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bruce let me down, man. Um, <laughs> what Pearlville was better. Um, w- there were a few nicknames I saw Auburn Twitter throwing around. He early, said no to Pearlville. He, he doesn't did, want it to but, be named after himself. That's what. Yeah, it's I get yeah. it. But Jungle City sounds like a place you visit in in a, a Donkey like, Kong RPG. I, I do say, not it sounds like, like that. A, a place in Disneyland. Like you went yeah, to Disneyland just, and you visited Jungle City. It sounds like got, a subsidiary like, subsidiary party city, almost. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but Bruce is the guy. He's the guy. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? We gotta roll with Bruce. I don't want nobody else who's a worse coach with better marketing ideas. So let's stick with Bruce. <laughs> So, so we we like this idea, and he. What I think is so dope is not only do we have students. I mean, we remember, we remember when we were in school, how easy it was to get tickets to Auburn basketball. Very easy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very easy. It's kind of tough these days, and yeah. so for them to be out there and, and listen. It just so happened to be among the four or five days in Alabama that actually gets cold. Actually, Lobtown. That's the name. L A U B. Yeah, that's what it needs to be out there. They need to just adopt what we named it and let that be the thing. Bruce, if you're listening, I already gave you the name weeks ago, brother. Go ahead. Sorry. Hmm. Have you gotten that trademark yet? I need to. Hey, hurry you know, up, man. Intellectual hurry up. property. In- intellectual property, one of them things where, like, you put it out there, you can kind of get... Anyway, go ahead, continue. All right. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing... I think it was dope that Bruce Pearl came out there the night before, brought them pizzas, cheering them up. Like, to me... The, Coach to me, Harson showed up. Harson showed up. So I, I just... I just, I, I, I just like... I just like... This is just a fun time. This is the fun time for Auburn, like the excitement and everyone uh, basically playing a part. Fun times, man. Um, let's talk about what happened last week. We alluded to it already with uh, Jazzy Joe's uh, Super Chats. Auburn beats both Georgia and Kentucky. Uh, beat Georgia pretty handily and convincingly, but let's talk about the player. We might as well have made this guy the player of the week. He's basically the player of the yeah. week because he's won the last two player of the games. Yeah. That's Walker Kessler. Let's talk about what he did uh, against Georgia in 27 minutes. He was uh, scored 15.7 of 11, six rebounds, one assist, a steals and six blocks. And then on yesterday had the game high or the team high with 19 points Seven rebounds, two assists, two blocks in 31 minutes. Uh, eight for 10. I really need to research. I haven't taken the time to do this yet, but I'm curious as to what his field goal percentage is for the season. It has to be rather high. One of you guys can look that up as we're talking because yeah. he's been getting some high percentage uh, shots in the, in the form of alley-oops and, and putbacks Put and dunks. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like he's been doing an amazing job. 
B. Will, your thoughts on Walker Kessler, do you feel even more strongly about the the, the sentiment that he could be the MVP for this team? I'm, I was just about to say. I said it last week, and I still feel that way. Walker Kessler is the most important player for this team's success in the tournament, in the postseason against high-quality teams. We've got enough of athleticism and defense and energy to beat most teams. We, we would beat most teams without Walker Kessler. Um, I mean, you saw when we played Bama, who is a 62%. bad team. 62%. 62. Yeah, that's amazing. Pretty good. <laughs> that's um, pretty good. We beat a bad team with him basically on the bench the entire time because they're a bad team. But when it comes to a team like Kentucky, we there are it seems to be times over competitive games for us where we we're we're kind of in the mud just a little bit offensively. And what ends up getting us out of it nine times out of ten is the green Kessler pick and roll. And that doesn't happen without Kessler being out there. There were two plays, right. particularly in the first half of the Kentucky game, where Cartwell was out there for Kessler. And the ball hit Cartwell in the hands twice. Once on a bounce pass, um, once was on the lob. He couldn't finish either one. And that is the difference between Kessler and Cartwell. It's one of the differences between them is Kessler can finish, man. He can, he can yeah. get the lob. He can... Come down off the pick and roll if you bounce it to him, wrap around passes to him. There were a couple times, even when Kessler was in the game before he got taken out, where Wendell Green, it we weren't necessarily in rhythm, but he found Kessler in a very crowded paint area. Now, he couldn't finish at that point in the game. We were all, everybody was a little bit tight, a little bit tight early. But Kessler, after he came back in, that was it. That's the, I think the last play that we ran on offense at the end of the first half was Green Kessler pick and roll that ended up with a Kessler finish. It's the most steady and the least stoppable thing that we have on our team. People are going to get to the point where they, as they're more athletic and as they start to key in on, on us, where they're going to double Jabari. They're going to ball pressure Jabari. I saw them ball pressure Jabari one time. He turned it over. Um... Zepp Jasper still isn't great with ball pressure, getting pressured. Ball pressure can affect us, but if we, we get into the half court and Wendell Green is one of the guys, that's it. That, that's it. If he's got the ball in his hands at the top of the key and Kessler's on the floor, we can win a championship. That is it. Kessler is the most important piece of this team. It's not that we don't need everybody else. We would be a worse team without KD, without Jabari, without Wendell Green, for sure. Kessler is the most important piece we have on this team because what he does is something that nobody else on this team can do. We've got a couple of one-on-one maestros if they get hot. KD can do it if he gets hot. Wendell can do it more consistently than KD can. Jabari can do it, honestly. Jabari has, he's probably the the least easily defended one-on-one, but eventually he's not going to just be looking at one-on-one matchups all the time. Teams are going to say, "Hey man, just not this dude. We get it. You're good, but not this dude." You can't be 7 foot and and have that wingspan and block those shots and be that consistent finishing. Nobody else on our team can do it. Cartwell is a step down. We appreciate his his talent and his effort, but he can't do what Walker Kessler can do. So for that reason, Walker Kessler, my player of the week, he is my player of the season so far. 
Ike, your thoughts about Walker Kessler? Yeah, you, listen, do, do you he, echo those sentiments. He is a defensive anchor. I do believe um, that he is. My favorite player on this team is Wendell Green Jr. But uh, Walker Kessler is definitely an essential piece to make sure. Uh, and I've said this before: the difference between the Final Four team and this team is the shot blocking presence of a Walker Kessler, mm-hmm. like the ability right. to in the lane influence everything. Like he makes you think twice if you come in there. You and if you don't think twice, he's probably erasing it, right? Like so, it's just a difference with him in the game and the ability to funnel drives in his direction. He plays the the pick and roll um, as an off ball defender better than I've seen a lot of bigs. Mm-hmm. Like he just play, I, and this is one of the things that I'm working on a breakdown just to kind of show how he plays his pick and roll defense. And uh, there's a stark contrast in the way that uh, Cardwell plays it. Dylan Cardwell doesn't play that particularly well. He's overly aggressive and overly commits a lot of times. He hedges really well out high, but when it mm-hmm. comes to like the sinking back in the lane and being that help defender on the pit, mm-hmm. he does he doesn't do that well. Um, Kessler is just really good at. It. He's got really good instincts. Um, they talked about the percentage of times that he blocks with his off hand, which is his left hand. Yeah, like who's what seventy? Like it was only like one block majority. he's got with his right yeah. hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's because um, a lot of what people try to do is drive into your body. So he uses his strong hand to be able to just kind of keep himself at a good distance. But then his length allows him to still get there with his left. Um, he's just really good, man. He's really good, and and then a lot of players are right-handed, right? So the left mm-hmm. hand is the is the contest hand to that side for right. those guys. Um and so he just he's just really good at being able to have a good feel for the timing and when to jump and mm-hmm. he jumps straight up. He's 7-1, so him jumping yep. straight up is it's just hard to get over the top of that and he plays it to the glass a lot, right? So like mm-hmm. the angle that you want to be able to approach at, he just does a really good job of cutting that angle off. It's just he understands fundamentally how to be a shot blocker. That's one of those things when you talked about uh, when uh, people used to talk about like Dennis Rodman and his rebounding, his commitment to rebound. Dennis right. Rodman understood how to rebound. He understood shots going to be here. This is the angle that is. So this is where I need to place myself or, you know, this is the guy I need to box out to get the position. And like he just understood rebounding. That's the way that Walker Kessler approaches shot blocking. He fundamentally understands what he needs to do. Um and it pays dividends because, again, even if he doesn't block the shot, he influences the way that you play defense. You're less likely to want to drive in there and be aggressive. You're less likely to um, to go strong because even when you do go strong, he's not. to be a good shot blocker, you have to be okay with getting posterized every now and then. Somebody right. going to get you every now and then. Somebody's going right. to dunk on you. But you can't be scared to jump because you think somebody's going to dunk on you. And he's gotten his share this year of people flushing it on him, right? But I think he's been dunked on maybe three times, but he has how many shot blocks this year? Right. Way more right. than three. Yeah. So he's like, look, all right, cool. You get me every now and then, but I bet you it won't be multiple that's, times a game. That's an exception. That's not the rule. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, his his effort and his energy on defense is it is always acknowledged by our team, they understand what they need to do when he's in the game, and the other team understands what they don't, what they can't do when he's in the game, and that's the difference. CJ with the Ram, appreciate you, man. Auburn basketball is the best thing to happen for our hearts in this offseason. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because this fan base yeah. can still be energized about athletics. We can have, you know what? If Harson ended the season the way he did, and you lose Derek Mason, and then you can go out on campus, smile with a Cruton Finger shirt, and high five people, you think that happens if Auburn is 500? No. People would have right. been borderline booing uh, Harson in public. But the energy that Bruce brings is tangible and it, it infects everything. It infects every other program, man. You see, like the Auburn Hockey Club wins and they're doing the crane kick. That is possible because this basketball team is succeeding. Right. They are having fun and it makes it better for everybody else on campus. Good point. Good point. Let's transition and let's discuss tools of the game. Speaking specifically about the Kentucky game, not much to talk about against Georgia in my in my personal opinion, but against Kentucky, I think the the tool here is just our depth, our depth. And mm. to me, I, I think it was a pivotal moment. Nine minutes in, uh, Ty Ty Washington um, steps on his uh, teammate's foot, uh, rolls his ankle, um, doesn't come back. And we saw the impact that had on their guard play. We saw uh, Wheeler have to play a lot of minutes. Um, and even he got hurt um, at one point in the game. And so our depth, even, even in a game like that, KD Johnson played the most minutes at 33. Like we're still not playing our guys a lot of minutes. Uh, by contrast, Kellen Grady, who, by the way, that guy can shoot the he rock. Can. Screw him. Mm-hmm. He had too many threes in this game I had him do. Holy anyway, crap, that dude mm-hmm. can shoot the ball. But he played 40. That's what was so impressive. He played 40 minutes and shot the ball like that. Mm-hmm. He played every minute in this game and was able to shoot that ball like that. Behind him was, of, of course, the big man for him, whose name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. But he... Shigwe. Oscar Shigwe. Shigwe. That too. Okay. Um, 38 minutes. He played 38 minutes. Like the these guys at the towards the end of the game, all, who 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 do you have more confidence in pulling away? The team with the fresher legs or the team that's been out there for nearly the whole game playing? And so I like I, one of the reasons I feel as though Auburn is going to go so deep in this tournament is for that reason alone. When we get into these tough games and down the stretch, Auburn has the fresher legs. I like Auburn pretty much 10 times out of 10. And I think that was a big part with fatigue. You're more prone to fouling. Mm-hmm. Auburn's fouls, I think Tennessee had 20 more fouls or 20 fouls to Auburn's Kentucky. 12. Or, or not Tennessee. I keep saying Tennessee, but Kentucky had 20 fouls to Auburn's 12. And Auburn went to the line a lot more in this game than Kentucky did, which played a major part in the outcome. So I just think our depth, uh, being more fresh, played a big part in this game and really contributed, uh, of course, with our crowd. It definitely contributed to us pulling away. Uh, I, what's yours? My tool to the game was Jabari Smith's commitment on the defensive end in this game. Jabari Smith. So just the last couple of games, I think since the Bama game, I don't know who like got in Jabari's ear and said, man, people think you soft, bruh. He came out in the Bama game like it was, wasn't five minutes into the game 
and he was like being very physical with dudes. Like he almost got in a fight at the beginning of the Georgia game with somebody. Like in his mind, he was like, I'm about to start locking folks up, bro. And his mm-hmm. commitment on the defensive end has been it's it's been noticeably better. Like, right. and it's not that he was playing bad defense before, right? Like he wasn't poor on defense before. He he has locked in on defense now. And you can just see it. He's like, you're not getting a bucket on me, bro. <laughs> like, there there will be no buckets against whoever Jabari is guarding. And that's that's the way his mind has been. He's just, he has, and I and I credit the 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 ability for him to not have to worry about the offense for that. He's like, all right, cool. Well, I'm only going to get 13, 15, 16 points in the game. I need to impact this game in other ways. And he's like, cool, defense, got it, lock in. Man, I love to see it. I love to yeah. see a guy with that caliber of star power potential. Oh, he's mm-hmm. going to be the first pick in the draft. And he's like, cool, but I'm going to lock you up, though. Yeah. 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 Man, yeah. I love seeing I love seeing him out there getting aggressive on the defense, man. He had the one block and then afterward he was like he was talking John. I was like, yeah, Jabari, yes. Let's go. That's playing, what I'm talking about right there. Playing playing with an edge. Playing yeah. with an edge. I was uh, like, oh, this is this is a problem. If Jabari Smith is locking down, this is a problem for y'all. For sure. It's different when the boy is getting buckets and he's like, Oh yeah, I can pull up for this three and like, cool, we need that. If he started locking folks down, I don't know, fam. Listen, <laughs> I, just, I I don't know where you get buckets if you if, if Jabari's locking down. Well, in addition to that, to piggyback off of this, let's talk about this guy. Jason Hill says Cambridge defense uh, was he incredible, play much better defensively. I was yes. very happy to see him. He he wasn't jacking up unnecessary uh, threes. And he was playing good. Like I, I like when Cambridge is affecting the game in a positive way like this. And I, yeah. I'll take this every game from him, every game from him. Um, but I, I just like how we're our defense is coming on as the season as the season goes on. Be will. What's your What's yours? My tool to the game was definitely. I want to say senior leadership is Flanagan a senior. Uh, I, I think he's so. a junior. Yes. He's a junior, junior he's a leadership. Junior. You know, um, he what he did was while the rest of the team was somewhat flustered at Kentucky's early energy, he was what kept us steady and kept us in the yeah. game through the entire first half. Um, for everything yeah. that we can say about Walker Kessler, of course, he I've reiterated he's the most important piece. But yesterday it was Flanagan being conscious of I need to drive right now, not settling for outside shots. Um, he handling the ball well because he had to play guard. He was the most steadying force that we had, and him keeping us in that game until the under four minute stretch, which when we woke up a little bit, Wendell and, and uh, Kessler got back involved. That was so crucial to that game yesterday because it could have gotten out of hand if we didn't have somebody who could stay even keeled, stay present minded, and drive buckets and the free throws. Crucial. Like we we shot that was our best shooting free throw game, which is a lot to say for a yeah. team that has been um that was been my up and toss down. up for my tool to the game was gonna be free throw shooting, but I yeah. just wanted to give Jabari his props, man. I've been saying yeah. free throw shooting like off like the past three games, so I, I had to go somewhere else with it. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, um, he was he was what kept us in the game. You could throw a little bit of love everywhere because again, we we can do it from so many different contributors. What they do is necessary and it's absolutely valuable, depending on what the game is. But with everybody playing how they played, if we don't have Alan Flanagan holding us down for about eight nine minutes in that first half when it could have gotten real ugly, we yeah. lose that game. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the Wendell. Uh, connection with Walker Kessler on the pick and roll. Alan Flanagan had it rolling with Wendell he did. Uh, a lot during this game. He did. I, the thing I like about what Alan Flanagan brings to the team, because he's not, you know, the dynamic, just give him the ball, get out of the way score. Um, what I like about it is he has a headiness about his ability when he gets in the lane. He finishes well He's aggressive when he gets in there, and he's a willing passer in the lane as well. So um, I like all of the things that Alec Flanagan brings to this basketball team. That's different than a, a Devin Cambridge, right? Devin Cambridge right. ain't, ain't going to catch the ball, ISO, drive on you, pick and roll, right. drive on you. He's right. going to be a corner three, spot up, lob guy, right? right. Offensively, you can put right. the ball in Alan Flanagan's hand and let him operate. And so he allows you to have an off guard. It doesn't have to be the point guard. An off guard gets you into your offensive set. Um, so I like uh, what the, the dynamic that he brings to us offensively. And then defensively, he's he's just a good athlete. So he's able to, to make pressure situations a lot harder for their off guard. It's your boy Ike Jones, and you're listening to the War Report's Weekend Tailgate Podcast. Did you know that you can find this and most of our other podcast content on YouTube first? That's right. Just search The War Report on YouTube and you'll find our channel where we broadcast this and other shows live. We've also got Auburn football and basketball press conferences, film reviews, game highlights, interviews, and special guest segments too. All of the Auburn sports content you can ask for and then some. Now that you know, let's get back to the show. Uh, Mike, what's your tool to the game, sir? I've heard all you guys is beautifully articulated, by the way. Uh, happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday. Uh, Good morning. Uh, my, my, <laughs> my tool to the game is the jungle, baby. That crowd was ridiculously involved in that game. Um, you know, I read some things about how they, you know, strategically placed the student section in places where a lot of schools put, like, high-paying donors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a lot louder for the opposing team and it's a lot more intimidating for other fans, right? Like, so um, I, you could feel that through the TV. And the crowd, you know, kind of went out of it a little early when we got cold. But man, for the most part, that they were, they were, they were rocking. And students camped outside. It was a big thing. Um, what's the girl's name? Allie Davidson raised like $5,000 and sent hot food. And hand warmers and, you know, and whatever else those students needed out there uh, that were camping out for the game. Um, you know, there was a big contingent of people who got the uh, that area cleaned up. They were calling it Pearlville. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was cool. But, man, like, what an advantage for this team to come and play uh, in front of this crowd at home. You know, against a tough opponent and your crowd is is willing people, willing you to a win. Uh, I was uh, encouraged to see Zach Calzada at the game. Yeah. Uh, mm. Derek Hall was at the game. Jarquez Hunter Jarquez. was at the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, there was one more defensive guy there. Um, but those three stood out to me, just cheering them on. And to see, to see the team come over 
to interact with them after and the crowd was there and it was just man i i thought you know i mean you guys gave beautiful technical reasons for why auburn won you know uh I think this game was at home, and we have the best home court advantage in the NCAA right now. So they're going to be really hard to beat. Uh, they, I read another stat that said that you know over the last like five years or something, Auburn has won seventy-two out of eighty-one home games under Bruce Pearl, mm. which is which is remarkable. So Jordan Hare has become a really tough place to go play. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say Jordan Hare? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's basketball season. Uh, but <laughs> it's yeah, basketball the, the new season. Auburn, <laughs> the new Auburn Arena has definitely become uh, the, uh, a tough place for people to come in and try to get a W. So woe be unto every visitor from now until the end of the season. It's going to be really tough. You hear that other school in the state? Y'all got to come see us. Y'all been talking all this junk. Y'all got to come see us. They're talking all they that smack. Hey, They've been, talk, they been talking smack? They just, nah, we'll get to it because that's my what do we see. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Now, oh. no, I'll... I'll I don't. I don't know if y'all talked about it yet, but Kentucky fans were real salty. That's part after of my that game. We're gonna get there. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. I'll leave it alone then, because okay. I was like, I was like, wow. Let's uh, let's do this one. I, I like what I am hop. Just uh, uh, it is an interesting up. question. Yes. Two seconds left. We're down by two, and heaven forbid Jabari has fouled out. Who gets the ball here? I don't think I'm not sure Jabbar gets the ball in that situation anyway. I think maybe uh, if I'm talking about a guy who's just fearless, I probably want Wendell Green or, or KD Johnson, Johnson, to, or Johnson KD. taking yep. the shot. Yeah, right. And KD, so, you know, and KD I, was KD shot really well yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, it was a it was a thing that as a point I was trying to make to a fan that was arguing with me about. He was saying without Jabari Smith, you guys would be nothing. Just I was like, insane. oh, that's a really stupid comment. But, you know, I'm not even, and that, that's what I was thinking in my head. I was like, at the end of the game, I don't even know if I would want Jabari necessarily to take the shot. It depends. I mean, if it's, uh, if it's matchups that he's better with, yeah, but right, like, right. yeah, it's, it's got to be one of the, the guards, man. The, the, their fearlessness to even take that shot when there's nothing on the line. Like, I right. want that guy. When it's something is on the line and it's a high pressure moment, I do as much as I complain about Wendell shooting some of those shots that he does make. Uh, he's more willing to to hit the take that shot. Like he would live for that moment. KD as well, especially yeah. if he's feeling it. Especially if he's in. Like he give either one of those two guys the ball. I and, mean, KD proved it when you know even even though we lost that game in that UConn game, KD is gonna pull yeah. up and he's gonna take the shot when it matters. And he's not, and he's just gonna let it fly, right? Like you have to have, you know, again, that other team in the state take note. When you have a shot late in the game and you need to be able to shoot a three, you don't hesitate and then dribble the ball. Um, but yeah, let it fly. Katie, you're gonna let it fly, man. Like, and that's you just have to have that mindset of like, we need a bucket, I'm shooting this. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought the shot he made when he drove into the basket and and laid it in off the backboard. That was nuts. Cause yeah, he's just it was his his f- body just looked out of control. From a physics like, standpoint, that should not have gone in the way the, uh, yeah, the way he a- shot it up and everything. But yeah. wow, yeah. But let me ask you guys this question. I asked last week. I'm gonna ask this week till it happens. What happens tomorrow? Number one, AP on um, both polls or 
it, there's no reason we should not be number one in every poll. We should be number one at the poll at the strip club. We are number one <laughs> everywhere in the country. Yes, we should stop not playing. be number one at the strip club because that's how Play, sanctions stop happen. Stop playing with us. That's how we, we number get sanctions. one. <laughs> number one on that the was the downfall of Rick Pitino. Number one at the strip club. We don't want to be number one. We there. number one everywhere. If it's a poll, we should be on top of that. I don't know if I want to be on top of the. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't. No. I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> I would feel violated anyway. Yeah. Um. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I would. I think. I. I. I'm not sure how you don't because in the last poll, 36. 36 voters voted us number one That's versus funny, like 24. John. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> let them know. Let them know you here, let son. Let them know. Hey, let them hey, know he's not gone. Congratulations. This, Here's what you need to do. What do you need to do, my G? Uh, just business at the Warpore. Uh, email us your uh, hoodie size and your address so we can get that right out to you. Congratulations again. Uh, what were you saying? Um, yeah, what was I saying? You said 36 people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yet. 36 people. Uh, voted us number one versus like 20-something for Gonzaga. Now, I have to assume after this week, none of those 36 people who voted us number one had a change of heart. Correct. But there were a bunch of people who voted us number two who likely we took number one votes from Gonzaga. So it is more likely after a tough win against Kentucky team that a lot of people thought we were going to lose to. Um, and, you Including know... Uh, Kentucky fans, salty. <laughs> Handily, handily taking care of a, a bad Georgia team. I think Auburn has somewhere in the area, it picks up like, you know, five to eight first place votes because it was only a four point margin in the AP that we missed number one by. So, yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't see how like Newell just has to think, he has to just look at his little sheet <laughs> and say, you know what? I had Kentucky and Purdue ranked in front of Auburn and they both lost. And one loss to Auburn. So you move us up like a minimum of three spots on his card. The nine ranking, if the nine ranking would have been like a five or a four, that would have been enough alone to push us in the first place. So I, I think I think Auburn takes a sizable lead on the first place voting after this. I don't see how they don't. Unless the system is just completely corrupt and like, we have to have defectors, is what I feel like. We have to have defectors because we only won people over to our side after after this week. Right. B? I mean, we're going to be number one. I, I honestly despise ranking in sports by the media because it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. The only reason it's meaningful is because it does, in some games, in some sports, determine who gets to compete for a championship which is why B. Will has always been a proponent of an expanded playoff because I don't want votes and opinions to determine who gets in. It always will in football, but let's let more in. So just in case y'all are being a little biased, more people who should have gotten a shot will get a shot. But it's the middle of the year. And a number one ranking now, and we lose two games in the next month, and everybody's like, ah, I told you so. It doesn't matter because tournament time matters. As long as we are in the hunt, in tournament time, we get into the tournament, which our tournament resume is already like we're standing, we're going. Yeah. How yeah. high we go is what's left to be determined. But as long as we're in that tournament, man, we're going to be ready to play. So, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to push back on that just a little bit and say, you know, like, being an undisputed number one seed and having the easiest possible 
path to the Sweet 16 is is important to me. And right, and so as long as we're in a place where we're not on the bubble of number one teams, we're an undisputed number one, that's where I want to be. I want to be playing a 16th seed come round one. Yeah, as long as you're in the Don't, top four, no. you should be. Yeah, as long as you say you're seated number one in your bracket. I agree. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now the now the NET is 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 the metric that matters in that discussion. And they have us like I think we've just moved up to four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that is part of what worries me is it's like, you know, are we gonna get some because there's gonna be some crazy discussion come, you know, about these NET rankings and they're not gonna make Auburn a one seed, uh, given that we win the SEC tournament or finish, you know, with less than four losses on the season. Uh so, you know, less than four losses, I think we should be a lock for a number one. But I asked, you know, these rankings, they add a some substance to college sports from week to week. It gives fans something to talk about, right? And the distinguishment of being able to say that you were rated number one at any point is something that so few college athletes ever get to say. Yeah. Achieving a number one ranking. That's why I think this matters, right? I think that's why, you know, Bruce Pearl didn't dance around it. Yeah. He said we were disappointed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, we should have been number one. I mean, he's coached his whole career and has never had a team considered number one. So the idea that only March matters, I get it because at the end, if you if you win it all, right, you you know you, you're going to be number one, right? Um, but the res- it would be nice to see them start to pay Auburn the respect that we're due because in, in some years it may not be clear cut. And they'll need to look back on years like this because that's the benefit of the doubt that Gonzaga gets and Duke gets. When you don't hang around at the top during the season long enough, right, in, in, in an off year where you have a good squad and they're trying to make a judgment on you, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Right. So that's, that's, that's why I think this matters. Having a number one ranked team during the season, next season somebody will look back at this and be like, that was a former number one ranked team at some point. It's so hard to achieve in college basketball. So few schools do it. Or we see the same schools at the top all the time. You know, so I'm just now starting to see teams like Purdue maybe hang around around the top. Baylor has had a good basketball team the last few years. Um, You know, the Villanovas of the world that are like always in the top 10 for whatever reason. Um, And then it seemed like they were trying to force Alabama into that role as well, too. Right, like you know, Bama with their top ten ranking when they when they, when they beat um, Gonzaga. Gonzaga. That's, That's really yeah, awesome. and I was just yeah, I was just like, man, they were getting the benefit of the doubt so much. I mean, they should have been out of the top twenty five like two weeks ago. Yes, yeah. Every Agreed. loss they kept hanging on, and I'm like, man, what do they got to do to fall out of the top twenty five? So that that's the other part about those rankings. I I'm I'm going to push back on your pushback in this way. And that those teams aren't given the benefit of the doubt because they were in the high in the polls the last year. It's because these teams made deep tournament runs with these coaches or these coaches won championships. Like Gonzaga made it to a final. Michigan State made it to a, a NCAA final. Uh, Gonzaga, uh, not Gonzaga, um, Villanova won one. Baylor won one. So the benefit of the doubt that we're seeing is I believe that this coach is a good enough coach and he knows how to coach these players because we have seen him win it or get damn close to doing it. So the assumption by the pollsters is he knows what he's doing, so let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but that, they're making deep runs in part because they're getting high seeds. 
They're getting the easiest. I, path I don't believe that at all. To make a deep, I don't deep believe run. that at all. That's that's a big part of it. I don't yeah, believe they're that at all. The they're, getting the, they're getting the cakewalk. That one bit. Because path. if you are good enough to beat, once you get to a final four, really, once you get to an elite eight, you have to beat really, really good teams. I if you are good enough, run. I think Mike's point is that the reason that they <laughs> get to the sweet two. The, yeah. the round of eight is because they played nobody, nobody the first two rounds, and then their first yeah. tough test is the third round of the, the NCAA. The round of 32, yeah. I think. Is yeah. it? No, 32 is the second round. round. So, yeah, that's yeah, the so second Sweet 16. Yeah. So the Sweet 16. I still disagree yeah. with that. If you look at our tournament team two years ago, or three years ago now, was it because we had harder seeds? It doesn't matter because we were that good. No, if you I, are that good, you're going to beat those teams, you're, you're and we this, didn't, and we beat them. But I'm saying the, the his Mike's point is the route to get there is harder if your seed is lower because you're playing tougher teams earlier. Look who we That's had to go through to get to the final yeah, four. We, we, we had a murder's row. Yeah, it, we in did. Game one, we almost lost, <laughs> and we didn't. We almost got upset. That was a much harder game than if we would have got played the, the College of Charleston. Yeah, right. that's the whole point. If you're yeah. playing. The, the winner of the uh, Princeton Yale, like if you're, win, you know, like, yeah, it's going to be a different yeah. route if you're a one seed, two seed versus if you're an eight, nine, ten seed. Like you just what, have a harder route to get yeah, there. Yeah, what do we get? Did we get a five seed that year? I was pissed. We were four, weren't we? No. Four, four, five, five. I think it was five. We were five seed. Because right, we, 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 well, the reason we got that five, because you remember Auburn just went through like a, uh, we went through kind of like a losing, like we was losing some games. Before we caught fire, and right. I think I think five we seed. won. Yeah, we won to, went to got a five seed. So I I, I I do see what Mike's point is. You want to position yourself so that, especially if you and and it's not like we won't be battle tested. Like we're right. we're playing the Tennessees, Kentuckys, the Alabamas. It's right. not like we haven't played anybody. So you do want to position yourself to get to the Sweet Sixteen before your competition really kicks up, as opposed to the moment you set foot in the tournament. That makes total yeah, sense. One, one, or, one or two seed right at the lowest for this team. And that little, that little bit of bias may be the difference. That was the difference in 2019 between us getting a three seed, which I thought we would get, and getting a five seed, which sucks. Man, uh, you know, every year, what is it they say when you're filling out your bracket? They're like, make sure you pick, pick a 12 to beat a five. It happens every single year. Those 12 seeds are no joke. Mm-hmm. Those are tough games. Those five versus 12 games are really, really tough. Um, and, and I would like to avoid that this year. I, I personally, I personally, I, it's not that I don't get what y'all are saying. You play the worst teams early, you have a better chance of getting far. But if what you're arguing, especially as we argue midseason, that we deserve to be the call the best team of the nation, then you shouldn't be worried about a five seed. Like you have to be, if you're going to be good enough to beat every team in your path. <laughs> It doesn't matter you're, if you are that still, good. Wouldn't you win the beat the, you're, you're, the other You're teams? still missing the point. You're only looking at it from this year's perspective. His point is that when you have a year where you're not only one loss in the middle of the season, you've lost Correct. three or four of those. Are you still? Is does your program reputation like Villanova, who's lost five games or something like that this season, and yeah. still ranked in the, the top ten? Of the doubt. Yeah, they and get, they'll get a three seed or something. Right. The point right. is historically, yeah. as you get into a place where your program is in that spot, getting the, the number one seed at some point during the middle of the season plays dividends later in the season when they start seeding people because you're yeah. going to be like, oh, that was a former number one team. Give them their respect. They've only lost. I mean, they they lost. They dropped a couple of games in there, but they're still one of the best teams in the country. They get the you don't drop the to a fifth seed 
when you have right. that sort they, of thing they happening. Get the, they and get then the next season, when you start the rankings, you start a little higher and you don't drop as quickly. And then the season after that, if you pay those dividends, you start out with a higher seed and you don't drop as quickly. It's just it's it, you're playing a long game to get you into a space because Michigan State, you know, it they weren't a perennial powerhouse team until Tom Izzo was there. I mean, they were good, you know, in the the Magic Johnson years, you know, but like mm-hmm. they weren't a Izzo put them in that place where every year now people are like, oh, Michigan State can go all the way because who their coach is. We finally right. have a coach that people respect to that degree. And so every year you're going to start getting the benefit of the doubt to begin the season. Even if you got brand new, look at Calipari, Calipari with Kentucky. They got new players everywhere on that team. They assume Coach Calipari is going to get them into a place where they're right. going to be right. great. Because right. he's done it before. Right. I'll, I'll put it. Did you see uh, John Wilner's comments? He was one of the ones that ranked the sixth <clears throat> in the AP. And what did he come out and say? He came out and said, you know, I'll rank Auburn number one, and then next week y'all will go out and lose to right. blah, blah, Which blah. Which is stupid, right team. because that's a stupid right. opinion. That's not how you rank teams. Anybody might I, lose next week. Well, these, that was so stupid. I, I agree. That's why holding on to this number one ranking is key in breaking that perception about Auburn. Like, as soon as we put them up here, they're going to flop, right? It happens to so many teams. And, uh, you know, it happened Gonzaga's to Gonzaga. The- Who did he, where did he rank Gonzaga? Right. So it's, that's why and it's then, a BS statement to make. You rank Gonzaga yeah. number one, they still went out there. And, you rank Baylor number one, they went out there and lost. What does ranking us number one because you perceive that we'll lose the next week? That's stupid. You didn't You didn't have that bias with anybody else. Correct. Right. Trash. Right. So You're Al- trash, Auburn, sir. Auburn is trying to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't call names on the war. Yeah, I, you, um, you, your journalism no, is trash, sir. Uh, okay, we no. don't call players' um, names on the war report. Okay, adults uh, with jobs, fair. we call that's them fair. names. Okay, I emailed him. He politely declined my interview. Request. I bet he did. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the but yeah, I just see those those schools get the benefit of the doubt every year, even when they have mediocre teams. I, and I think that's where Bruce Pearl would like this program to be, where is where they get the benefit of the doubt. Achieving a number one ranking at some point during a season definitely aids in that because if. Every season, regardless of whether you finish number one, every season, if you're up there in the discussion for number one, you start to think of us like Michigan State, right? Mm -hmm. And then come tournament seeding time, it's like that little bit of bias that should that plays into it should push us up and not down. I I, I hate that about college sports, man. I mean, you are right. I'm I am acknowledging that you are right. It hurts less in basketball than does in football because football is such an exclusive championship postseason that perceptions absolutely keep people out like when ohio state got in in 2000 i think it was 16 over penn state who had beaten them and then won the big 10 championship like that was that was completely biased towards ohio state as a football program for what they had done over the last i don't know how many years and what urban meyer did in 2014 so they get the shot like that should not happen in in any sport honestly but Without an objective, everybody who is competing for a championship playing each other, you have to have some metrics so I understand that it's in place. But I will also say this. The one or two seed is not the easiest path necessarily. Well, it's not that it's not. Every every year, not every year, a lot of years there are upsets. I remember Duke lost to like a, as a two seed, lost to a 15 seed one year. Yeah, it's like, upset, it's, it's not safe. Yeah, I mean, it's Virginia, not safe Virginia because lost, Virginia can, lost they, to, that, some to a 16 seed. Yeah, you, um, you, you Florida still have Gulf to play Coast? the games. They beat but somebody, I, yeah. I right. would argue 
the one versus 16 and two versus 15 matchups are a lot more favorable matchups than uh five versus 12 or, uh, you know, a six versus 11, right? Like it's just going to be, you're not playing the same. And then the very next week after you win that game, you got to go play. If the first week you play an okay team as a one seed or a two seed, their next game is going to be another okay team, right? Like it's just, you, you don't really start to see a challenge until that third round, supposedly. Like you can definitely run into, you know, a Murray State that is going to have, that gone. What's your boy name playing from Memphis right now? John Morant. Um, John Morant. You, yeah. That has John Morant playing on it, and it's like, bro, really? We got to see John Morant get first game. Is that is that what we're doing? Right? Like, Somebody you, had you to can, see Stephen Curry in, in yeah, the tournament. You can definitely <laughs> see Davidson round one with Steph <laughs> yeah. Curry playing, and you just like, come on, cuz uh, all the fifteens. Well, that's who we gonna get. <laughs> for the record, uh, five times over the last nine seasons, a fifteen has beat a two seed. That's only happened five times. Um, in the history of the NCAA, I believe that Virginia's loss to Southern Charleston is the only time a 16 has ever beat a one. And I'll tell you, when I was living in Vegas, and this was a trip. bet that I, wa- I wanted to make every year, right, was to bet, you know, $10 on the 16 to beat the one just straight up. The casinos won't even take that bet. Right. Um, because the odds were so great that if, if, if you gave that bet, everybody would make it every year and you would clean up every year until the year you didn't. Mm-hmm. The year Virginia lost... Every, every casino in Vegas would have gone broke right? on that bet because every Tom, Dick, and Harry would have bet $10 and they would have gotten something like 1,000 to 1 odds on that 16 beating that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they won't take that bet. But, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it, it is just historic. I mean, again, the tournament is set up for like any other playoff system, right? Getting the one seed, you know, you practically get a buy round one. So if you're not playing your best basketball or you got some stuff to get together, you get to do it against a not-so-great team. Um, round two, you know, depending on how it falls, you probably got another cupcake. You know, by round three of the tourney, now you're playing only teams that you're either playing a Cinderella or you're playing some team that, you know, also had an easy path and made it there. Uh, so, you know, in, in, 20, in 2003... You know, Auburn was going on a little bit of a run. We made it all the way to the Sweet 16 and um, lost to Syracuse. I think it was Carmelo Anthony's national national championship run. Um, This year, I I would just would like to see them enjoy the spoils of being good all season, right? And and realistically, I'll I'll close with this. We should finish. I I hope Auburn finishes this basketball season so strong that it doesn't matter what we do in the the, uh, SEC tournament. It should be completely irrelevant because you're going to get a buy. You automatically make it to like the the quarters of the semis or something as a one seed in the tournament. Like you don't play the first it's the quarters. Days, yeah. Right. So you only have to win three games. You got to win three games. We should be able to win the, our quarterfinal matchup, losing the semi and still be a lot for a one seed in the tournament. Winning the SEC tournament for this team, I'm hoping, is not a prerequisite for a number one seed. It better not be the Kentucky. I don't want it to be the Kentucky. I want to beat Kentucky by more when we see them again. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. We, we don't play to Kentucky. The only time we'll see Kentucky again is in the tournament, right? Or in either tournament. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, I, just, I don't want to have to play them possibly three times. Should only right. see them in regular season SEC tourney and in the NCAA tourney. Uh, but yeah, that, I, that's where I'm at about it. This number one ranking thing 
it it it, it mattered, and it matters from a perception uh, standpoint as he continues to build recruiting and try to convince these one and dones to come here. Right, come to Auburn, you'll have a, you're going to be considered at one of the best programs because even though Jabari Smith is only going to be here for one year, man, it matters that he's going to have a chance to win a title in that one year. Right. Right. Sure. Right. And perception can't be the thing keeping you out when you're really good. Mm-hmm. He's built something now where the perception and the tide has started to turn right on Auburn. And it, 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 you know, last year we took a little bit of a step back and we had injuries and, you know, Sharif didn't play from game one and that team never really fully came together, even though I still think it was an underrated squad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, you're looking at what they're doing this year and he replaced some significant pieces and it felt like the only holdover important piece was Alan Flanagan. And then you replace everything else and it looks good. It looks really, really good. So people just have to start to see it in that vein consistently so that Auburn becomes, I mean, that's how you get your blue blood status or whatever, Right. Is is that you're always up there? I mean, what is a blue blood really, other than you know just a team that is consistently in the Sweet Sixteen and, and usually in the top, you know, around the top five every year in the rankings? Yeah, yeah. Listen, let's uh, let's let's put a bow on that. James Stalin says Arkansas beat A and M yesterday. They did, uh, and with us beating Kentucky, we now have a two game lead in the SEC. Um, Auburn is set up nicely for this for this last stretch run, man. So I'm I'm excited to see how we close out. To Mike G's point, we went out and do take care of business. The, the results of the tournament we not weigh as heavily on where we get seated. So we got some tough games, man. We do. A and M and Arkansas. A and M lose. They yeah, lost Arkansas. He was just saying they just lost to Arkansas. Oh, you Arkansas, know, yeah. A&M, tight game, though. Uh, Very tight game. They're not. Tennessee. They're not a slouch. They're not a slouch. Arkansas is not a slouch. I mean, yeah. so yeah, we we still got some teams, even though they're not ranked. There, I mean, we got Oklahoma next weekend. I mean, they have played teams tough. There, I think they they got seven losses, but they they've been a tough out for teams. So we still got some, we still got some some killers on our schedule that we got. Our, we got War Report family, you are listening to the Weekend Tailgate Podcast. You're in the right place for great discussion of Auburn sports news, but there's so much more available to our YouTube channel patrons. Patron-level supporters get first dibs on select content, special chat privileges when we have special segments and big-time guests, and only patrons get access to our off-season football film reviews that kick off after a day. We're talking next-level film breakdowns to look at what we did in 2021 and even give us a glimpse of what to expect in 2022. And did I mention the patron giveaways? So head on over to our YouTube page and look for the join button. Become a patron-level member and get your weight up. All right, now let's get back to it. All right, guys, you have asked for it. I'm pleased to announce that it is back. You guys have always wanted to know. We're here to tell you. What did we see? What I saw, <laughs> what I saw is, and it seems like a, a slam dunk, but I'm just going off of what I've seen on Bracketology. a and is going to get easily get into this tournament at the rate they're going. Um, I, mm. think, I think that a and gets into this tournament. Right now, Lenardi's Bracketology has them as the first team or one of the first four teams out of the tournament. And I know this is current, present day. I think a lot of this has to go. And it's, it's funny that Mike G made the point he made. a has not been really good in basketball. 
And so the perception is the further A&M gets into their schedule, they're going to start losing games. They're going to be on the bubble. They're going to end up being one of the first teams out. I actually think they will win looking at their schedule. It is tough, but it's not as tough as a team like, say, Arkansas, who's also on the bubble. A team like Mississippi State, who's also on the bubble. Uh, or who they predict will be on the bubble. I think A&M has a better go at it along the stretch than those two teams. And I think amongst the three teams that they have first out, Mississippi State, Arkansas, A&M, I like A&M's chances to get into the big dance. So that's my what did I, what did I see. I agree. Be will what's yours? What did we see? You know what mine is? That show of familial support. I saw the Auburn football players at the basketball game in the student section, rowdy, taking their shirts off, getting height, dressed for the occasion. Um, I saw Coach Harson at the game, in the crowd, in Jungle City. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get excited about that, Bruce. But what I saw was a support for the team. And, and the, the basketball team kind of sold some of that when they showed up to the football team's first game, Bruce included. Shirts off, going crazy, you know, hype for for their comrades. But it, it really, I, I think that's a good thing. And to see Calzado there with the guys, I think that's a very good sign, which yeah. means he's bought in. I, I know that there are reports at times where the QB doesn't really get along with everybody else. I mean, they respect him. They're glad he's there and playing. But liking the guys that you have to be around is really important. I think it's really, really, really important whether it's work or um, something like sports, which is kind of work to these guys. So I'm glad that he is getting in the flow, um, getting comfortable being at Auburn, being at the games, supporting the student, being a student. I think that's a really good sign. So hopefully it it, it bears fruit here come fall. All right. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. What did we see? Um, I think, given the current state of the of SEC basketball, that the SEC can get six teams into this tournament. I think we can get six teams into this tournament. Um, so, who are those teams? I think Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee are locks to get in. Um, after Auburn, LSU, Tennessee, and Kentucky. I was about to say, you don't have Kentucky Kentucky, my bad. Yeah, Kentucky uh, is, is definitely getting in. After that, um, I do believe A&M is going to get in the tournament, and I think they're going to force Alabama on us. Alabama is going to be a bubble team with a mediocre-ass record, and they're going to get into this tournament. They won't. Now, I was in a Twitter space, and an uh, Alabama fan came in to talk all over basketball. Oh, boy. That's and, always uh, fun. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he was a nice kid. Okay. But we were, we were looking at his schedule, and I was tell, saying, I was like, listen, man, I see a lot of L's left for Bama between now and the end of the year. Now, they, they did themselves a favor and they took out LSU, which strengthens their state, but they struggled with Missouri down to the last few minutes. Also, and, also LSU has one of their key guys hurt. That's why they've been dropping some games. Um, they're not as and, strong as they were when they played us. So their next four games are Georgia, <laughs> Baylor, Ooh. Auburn, mm. and Ooh. Kentucky. Ooh. So that could be uh, a break. one for four stretch for them, yeah. <laughs> right? Break. And and then they still have Ole Miss. They could win that. A, a, a pretty de- a pretty dangerous Mississippi State team. They're no slouch. Yeah. Uh, an Ar- Arkansas. Mm. They got to play Kentucky again, mm. 
and they close out Texas A&M mm. and LSU. Mm. <laughs> so there could be That's like brutal. seven more and losses, they are, and they already got they schedule. already stacked up some L's. So uh, yeah, right, yeah. So I mean, their schedule was hard, and um, I just think if they if they find a way to upset one of the next four games that they have against you know essentially ranked opponents, top twelve opponents, um, it will strengthen them. But I, I do think they, they've got to get one of those games. They've got to beat us. They've got to beat Baylor. They've got to beat Kentucky. I think if you lose all three of those games, it gets really, really difficult to make a case for why you're a tournament team mm-hmm. when you've lost to every good team you played in in conference. Now, they do have wins over Gonzaga and Houston and Tennessee that they can tote. But I think they're they're my sixth team on the bubble. Okay. I think might have a difficult time getting into the tournament, but ultimately can get in just on bias alone. Okay. All right. I say the best for last because I feel like this is going to be special. Like, what you got, sir? What did we see? I see them sour grapes from all of y'all sorry Kentucky fans all in our <laughs> comment section being all mad when we had players hurt. If we were at full strength, we would have beaten you guys because look what happened after Sun and such got hurt in the game. You guys are lucky. You lost. <laughs> I don't want to hear that nonsense. If I'm not mistaken, somebody correct me if I'm wrong because, you know, sometimes you know, I have brain farts. Mm-hmm. When we played Kentucky in the NCAA tournament, the NCAA tournament on a neutral side. The, the the best player on our team was his name was Chuma Okiki. First round NBA pick. He didn't he didn't play that game, did he? Did no. not. You play. lost. No. You play with the guys that are on the court, and you win. Or it's not our fault. You can't go deeper than six on your bench. Mm. You can't go deeper than six. Pause. Something's wrong <laughs> with your team. Right. It's not right. our fault that your team doesn't have any depth. It's not our fault, Bama fans, that somehow we have enthusiasm around our basketball team, so you have to keep bringing up football season. It's not our fault. You lost. You lost the national championship game. Mm-hmm. You lost to us when we came to your school, and mm-hmm. you're going to lose again when you come play us. It's not our fault you suck at basketball. Yeah, listen. I, Stop whining like some little babies and take your L and go back home and get better. This L's for you, buddy. Um, that was yeah. that was great. Thank you, thank uh, you. Reminds <laughs> of a meme I saw. It was uh, Bruce's face in a pear, and it says Bruce Pear wants you to hold his L. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty uh, funny. But, That's pretty but, funny. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. The Kentucky the Kentucky salt was real. Yo, I'm and, like, shut the shut up, bro. What are you doing? I'm saying the only reason the, the only reason you lost is because you didn't score enough points. Yeah, this one guy on Twitter was just like, uh, "Look what Ty Ty was doing before he got injured," and I was just like, "That's a really weak argument, man. Like, you are assuming even if he had stayed in the game that we wouldn't have been able to adjust. Like, look Correct. what happens second halves. We adjust every every game, man. Game, every yeah, game. Yeah. Like, you thought and that now, was different because you're Kentucky? Get out of here. Yeah. The uh, In 2019, after we lost to Virginia, 
I don't recall a lot of fans saying, if we have Chuma, we win it all. Correct. Nobody no. said... Now, yeah. what was arguable is that Chuma would have made a difference in that game. Difference in, we yeah, lost yeah. that game because of a missed call. Mm-hmm. Nobody said here because, like, we're not making t-shirt that said uh, Chuma Okiki was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Chuma would have helped, certainly. Yeah, for sure. Because your best player can always help. But the, it's tournament time, man. So, like, part of being a good team is not just about the, the first five guys you send out. It's about the next five. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Okay, those guys cannot all go out there and play 40 minutes. Right. So, you know, how big is the drop-off from one to two is part of how good your team is. That's it. And they they just did not and want to. And it's not like not want to we heard him. He It was a few situation he, where he, he landed on one of his own guy's foot. Bats. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard basketball players talk about that floor awareness that you have to have when you go up awkwardly. Like, if you're like Steph Curry and some of these guys who are jumping awkwardly off of one foot trying to make circus shots all the time, you have to be super aware of your ankles and your feet when you come down. Mm-hmm. So they're watching their, they, you know, they, after after they shoot the ball, they're, once they start, their body starts to descend, there has to be a reaction where you start to look at your landing zone and just make sure that your ankle is not coming down awkwardly or you're not coming down on somebody's foot, which which it looked like he came down on his own player. He, he did. did. He did. He came down on his own which player. Which, again, that's, this hurt. ain't got nothing to do with Tata. I do not want to see anybody get hurt, right? Like, I'm not yeah. happy that a player got I, I actually wish they had been in full at full strength yeah, and we too. beat them so they wouldn't have nothing to cry about. Yeah. They were going to cry but, about you know, something anyway, so. Yeah, injury, injuries <clears throat> are part of the game. Well, I think that Kentucky fans hate the most is is that this this series has been pretty even over the last five years, right? As a matter of fact, I think it's dead even over the last five years. We've split all the games, so they can no no longer just walk into Auburn Arena, or if we come into where the hell they play, um, and <laughs> and, and and beat them, it's not a guaranteed W anymore. Right. And it, there's a changing of the guard happening where now Bruce Pearl is working on like his third straight one and done. Yeah. Or he's going to put another kid into the first round of the draft, possibly a first overall, and there's no end in sight to you know him being able to recruit top players and then knowing what to do with that talent once he gets it. Yeah. Right. So you know, um, Kentucky fans are struggling with the changing perception that they are no longer king of the hill in SEC basketball. It's not them and everybody else anymore. Let me tell you, we know what's going to happen when Nick Saban retires from coaching football. I, I, I want to see it, but I also don't want to see it because I know they're going to be so bad at handling the fall off that happens from that point forward. Bama fans will be. No. I mean, they already shoot each other when they lose Iron Bowl, so I, there's no telling what's going to happen when he actually retires. Like it's, I'm, yeah. it's funny, but it's not funny because they're terrible. They're terrible fans, and Kentucky is kind of getting some of that right now. It's their fault. They shouldn't stick with Calipari, man. He's probably like a... A chef masquerading as a basketball coach, but y'all want to keep. I guess he looked good enough in the suit that y'all keep putting him out there. So whatever, that's your fault. Oh yeah, it's gonna be coaching matters. Coaching matters in sports, and when you have a good coach that knows what to do with the talent he has, it's it's an advantage that most people don't have. Um, in college basketball, there are only a few. I mean, look what Mike, uh, Coach K, has been able to do for so long. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, all that guy needs is five guys and a basketball. And the basketball might be optional, right? Like, he just knows how to coach. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think this is his last year coaching. It is. going to retire after mm-hmm. this year, after a phenomenal career. And, you know, I hope that's what we found in Bruce Pearl. You know, they feel like they had it in Calipari. You know, there was another thing floating around. I don't know if you guys saw it about 
if Kentucky offered Bruce Pearl a job, he'd be on the next on the next plane the next day or something like that. And uh, people were making these assumptions like, hey, if Louisville offered Bruce Pearl, he'd be out of there. Like there's so many schools that he could go to that he would just be out. And um, I kind of disagree with that now. Like, I mean, what he's built at Auburn, I I mean, I don't know. Like, it just happens at so few schools. You you built it here. I don't know why you want to abandon it for an unknown, mm-hmm. right? Because money can never be the issue with whether Bruce Pearl stays or goes at this point. Right. I think that he's produced enough that if this guy decides that, you know, money suddenly matters to him and he doesn't make enough, then you just pay him and then you make it a non-conversation. Right. 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 That's it. It should not, he should not have to go through no rigor mode with his uh, agent and, you know, and making, you know, like pretending like he's going somewhere to leverage the university. It should be like, guys, I want more money. And we should be like, okay, it's a checkbook. That's it. Right. You know, and, and if he somehow pulls out a natty this season, definitely. Right. Renegotiate now and just make it a non-issue. Make him the highest paid coach in college basketball. Right. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, but uh, money cannot be the issue. I don't think that talent, access to talent, can be the issue anymore either. Right. He's got plenty of access to talent. He can get the kids want to come play at Auburn. Right. He's proved that. Right? Um, and then conference affiliation is not the issue. The conference is a strong <clears throat> position. Um, you know, right. uh, national exposure. I mean, what is it that you can get at a Kentucky that you can't get at Auburn? Or any of these other blue bloods right now? Right. Just made your own blue blood. Why not just stick with it, man? I, I hope he I hope he feels welcome. I hope he feels wanted. I hope he sticks around for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only once, reason once you leave schools coach. like that uh, is if you're in some trash conference or you just really want to coach in the NBA. Like, that's right. it. Like, you're not going right. to go get right. another college coaching job unless somewhere in the administration the, the relationship sours because there's nothing about the Auburn basketball program is – is unattractive for Bruce Pearl right now. He built something that should continue to go for a long time in the future. He's got a pipeline of kids that want to come play basketball here at Auburn. He's he's going to make the money. He's going to get the perennial respect that he deserves going forward. There, there's nothing like, oh, Louisville. Uh, screw Louisville. Screw you. Yeah, they're not better. You know, and then, you know, Maryland, Jeff Goodman was trying to push Maryland. Whether Maryland was going to make a run at him, your journalism uh, is he, trash, sir. Yeah. <laughs> citing uh, citing the um, the DMV area where I live as a recruit, like a very fertile recruiting ground, mm-hmm. which is true. It is a lot of good no. basketball players do come P- out of P- DC. Planes don't exist, so you know you have to live in a space to be able to recruit it. Now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just it's dumb. Right. But Atlanta, I would argue that Atlanta is just a rich um, in a basketball recruiting area. Obviously, as anybody obviously. else in the country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when you're looking at it, you know, and that's an hour drive from Auburn. So I, I don't I don't I'm not buying that either. I think, you know, after you you get a top guy and you coach him and then he goes to the NBA one overall, you have there's no issue. Recruiting can't be the reason why you jump ship. It just can't. So um, Kentucky fans get used to it. You know, as long as Bruce Pearl is at Auburn, Auburn is going nowhere. Right. This is what we're this is what we're hoping to find on the football side. Right. It's just a coach. We may not win it all every year, but we're in the conversation where we're happy with the direction of the program and we're proud of the development and the product that they put on the field every Saturday. Right. That's it. Now you get that in a coach, man. You've got you've got a coach that you want to hold on to for life. Thanks. Thanks. Life with Maine. Appreciate you, sir. 
We finally got to the line and hit free throws. Absolutely, yep. man. Ooh, that second half. Did they miss a free throw in the second two. half? Missed two. Think. two. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, they, I, they shot, what, 80-some percent from the line? At least 80%. We missed, we missed like four in the first half. It was sure. starting to frustrate me. Yeah, and then, mm. then we got that cleaned up. But, yeah. Hit them free throws. <laughs> oh, you know, that was another thing that Kentucky fans were screaming about was how many times apparently we went to uh, the free foul line, line versus them. Now, I Auburn usually sends us the shot chart. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it just felt like to me we were more aggressive in the paint. They didn't they even were. have anything to do with aggression in the paint. So they fouled three-point shooters multiple mm-hmm. times in that yeah, game. they did. Yeah, right. yeah they did. Clear right. fouls, yeah. too. Right. So that that— Dumb fouls on your behalf. Um, then the intentional fouls at the end of the game to try to slow the game down is going to contribute to the three point, the free throw disparity that right. you're witnessing when you're looking at the final statistics in the game. You're playing from um, behind. It, right. So it wasn't as if we were in the penalty super early in either half, and then we just went to the free throw line a bunch of the times with every foul that happened. It was within the flow of the game. It was foul that, fouls that were happening on attempted shots or intentional fouls to try to slow the game down. Like, here, here's what I want everybody to do. And this, this, this happens with football as well. Learn about the game before you start talking about the game. It's, it's really, it's not even like a difficult proposition. Just if you don't know, just shut up. Just don't say right. stuff. Right. Be upset, but just shut the F up. And, and it's and really to, easy. And, and my thing is, if you're playing your guys almost 40 minutes and you're going against guys who are fresher, the likelihood of you fouling more goes up anyway. Like you're 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 Just not like, you can't play. It's, you're it's, not it's fresh. Real simple like, st- like it's not even like <laughs> complicated stuff we're talking about here. Like just looking at a stat sheet and you're like, oh, they went to the foul line more. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Dump. Dad, shut right. up. Just stop. You're supposed yeah, to be from I'm, the blue blood school. You should know this, right? Right. Yeah. Stupid, he he put bro. this clip. He put this clip up that showed this one sequence where Wendell allegedly fouled one of their guys trying to save the ball under the basket going out of bounds. I, I, like could, I could put up the clip of KD Johnson going to the sideline attempting to go save a loose ball and he gets pushed into the scorer's oh, table. So, right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I told him, I told him, I said, listen, the guy who put this together needs to put this together for both teams so that we can know how the game was being called. Right? But you're only looking at the non-calls on your guys and then saying, then looking at the disparity and saying, see, this is why there was a disparity. You know, most of the fouls that Kentucky committed were fouls. Right. They were fouling. Right? right. And if they weren't, I'd say it. I'd be like, no, nah, yeah. The, the yeah, Russell I have no problem. Listen, if yeah. you guys are new to the war report, we have absolutely no problem. We did it multiple times during the football. Listen, hey, look, they got that wrong. And it went in our favor, right? Like, but that's yeah. not what happened in this game. No, I didn't see it. Just, I didn't just see stop. it. Yeah, so that was that was the other big excuse was free throw disparity, and I was just like, oh man, you guys really can't take an L, can you? No, they can't. No. Why wow. not? Why not be? Because they lost. They're losers.